RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. Again, with me today, we've got both Brian and Mike. It's a red letter couple of weeks for RPGLL. Hi, guys. Hey, sir. How's it going? Brian, hey, Dusty. I can't play. Mike, I'm good. So today we're talking about World of Dungeons, the system. At this point, Mike and I, we, we each have three sessions of World of Dungeons under our belt. Brian, you've played one session recently, and we're going to talk about the system itself and review it. And we're going to go back to the SWAT analysis that we previously did for Blood and Honor. SWAT, again, is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It's a two-by-two two matrix. Uh, on one axis, you've got good and bad. On the other axis, you've got internal and external. So the internal good are the strengths. The internal bad are the weaknesses. The external good are the opportunities. And the external bad are the threats. So let's talk about World of Dungeons. First of all, just a quick description of how you play. It's based on Dungeon World, which is in turn based on Apocalypse World. And in Apocalypse World, the core mechanic is that you roll 2d6. 1 through 6, you get a consequence and, and no success. You, you, you fail. Um, 7 to 9, you succeed, but with a consequence. 10 or higher, and you succeed with no consequence. And then there are mechanics on top of that to, to customize your character and, and make your character's roles feel different from character to character. So that's the, those are the basics of the system. Um, World of Dungeons is an extremely stripped down, like a three-page PDF, dungeon-crawling type game. So three pages, and, and we're judging World of Dungeons from those three pages alone, not from, you know, the advantage of, of all of Dungeon World. And in fact, just so you guys can refer to it, I'm going to drop the URL for the World of Dungeons PDF into the chat so that you can look at it and refer to it as we talk about it. Let's do the SWAT. Strengths. What are the strengths of World of Dungeons? So I put a couple down that I think probably fall under a greater strength, right? So I think the greatest strength of World of Dungeons is that it's super simple. Um, it's easy to create a character very quickly. I mean, I think I said in the previous episode, we spent half an hour and we made pretty highly optimized characters. I think Brian made a character within like less than 10 minutes, right? Super simple. It's like six rolls, lining up those stats, picking up some equipment and you're basically done. Um, so, so, so that's, that's, that's pretty good, right? Cause the last few systems we've tried have had either super super complicated character sheets. We've had to create add-ons and Excel spreadsheets and all sorts of different ways to, to manage, you know, just a character and a thing. This is self-contained in literally one page folded in half. So a, a, a four page front and back little booklet, um, very self-contained. I think another simplistic part of it is, is the, the equipment investment right you only need 2d6 to play this game and that's that's basically it you're done um there may be uh, i may be now remembering that there may be some d8s and some d 
wells for different damages? No, that's right. It's only D6s. I'm thinking of a different system. So you you don't need to bring anything with you but maybe a pencil, your four-page character sheet, and two D6s. Yeah, light weapons are, it's D6 damage minus one. Or no, sorry. Light weapons, D6. A martial weapon is a D6 plus one, and a great weapon is a D6 plus two. That's it. That's right. You're all, you only need D6s for anything. Your hit die are always D6s. There's no dice in this game except for D6s. So yeah, that's fair. It's And who doesn't have a couple of D6s laying around from you know Monopoly at the very least? So free PDF, couple of D6, you're good to go. Brian, any thoughts on strengths? I mean, that was honestly uh, my initial thought as well. I mean, it's an incredibly simple framework to begin with, uh, and it's easy to pick up. Uh, this would be a great game to play at con. Uh, the fact that you can get by with 2d6 just makes this such uh, su- such an approachable game because, like, a d6 is, like, what is intuitive for most people. When you, you know, uh, uh, when you get show them, like, other polyhedral die, uh it just confuses people, but everybody understands the D six. So, uh, simple, easy to easy to pick up. Um, yeah, I, I I think that is absolutely the the biggest strength of the system. Yeah, and I keep screwing up. I keep saying one to six is failure. It's pretty tough to roll a one with two D six. Yeah, it good yeah, it good point. Pretty hard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me. I love that the GM doesn't roll for attacks. I didn't I didn't note the strength. I don't know who did, but I love that players roll to try things, and if they incur consequences, I get to talk, and I get to come up with cool consequences. But I don't have to spend all this time worrying about my monsters and their attack rolls. I'm tracking a couple of hit points, and I have to glance down to see what I'm rolling for damage. And that's it. That's how, that, that, that's how simple it is. For me, you, you you attack somebody, you you incur a consequence, whether it's with a success or without, um, then I get to retaliate and, and roll some damage on you. Super simple rolls for the GM, no attack rolls, no ability rolls. It makes life so much easier for me. Um, Brian doesn't like that, but I, I still think it's a it's a very fair strength. I don't it's not that so much that you don't roll, you know, the D six. It's just that the consequences Again, it goes back to something we were talking about in the last episode. A consequence is the system in and of itself isn't necessarily uh, as um, as it's not so much of a simulation because a consequence isn't always the the natural byproduct of, you know, screwing something up. Sometimes you're not succeeding. Sometimes it's just not succeeding. Yeah, it's very abstract. It's extremely abstract. It's it's not a simulation of, of, of a medieval skirmish. So I was actually the one who put that in the good column, and it's funny you didn't actually hit the reason I was keeping it in my back pocket for why I put it there. Um, why I really like that is it makes combat so super fast, like ridiculously That's fast, true. right? So every other system we played, it's like, all right, you go, then you go, then you go, monsters. Oh my god, we're fighting four monsters. Monster one, monster two, monster three, monster four repeat from the top i mean that's eight separate actions with with does it hit does it miss okay it hit here's the damage but but this is super super fast and it, it actually makes combat feel paced fast like combat should feel that's yeah. why i really like it it's so freeing it's so freeing yeah the initiative is, is not even a thing that's a great point um i love that there's no referencing in 
Blood and Honor, there's so much to reference. In Fate, there's so much to reference. Every, every aspect has got the compel, it's got the invoke, you've got to track them, other players have to look at them. There's so much going on mechanically, there's all this bookkeeping. And World of Dungeons doesn't have that. You roll your hit die, you roll your abilities, or sorry, you roll your attributes, you pick a couple of skills and a couple of abilities, and boom, you're ready to play. And everything's pretty squishy, and there's not a ton of rules, and um, things that are risky come down to these die rolls, but we were rarely, if ever, looking at the rules to figure out what was going on. Like, I had to look at the hit die section a couple times to make sure we were doing it correctly, but once we got past that, you don't look at the rules. You just don't. You don't need to. Yeah, and even even the abilities and the skills that you do pick from, most of them are passive. Like 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 my uh, my fighter, he gets a passive like plus six to armor and a passive plus two to damage. So I can literally just write both of those down on my character sheet. I don't have to open the book the entire game unless it's time to buy new equipment. Yeah, super duper simple. I mean, every class gets a paragraph, and the paragraph has. Like a couple of sentences, two, three, four sentences at most. And that's it. That's everything you need to know to run a thief or a ranger or a fighter or a cleric. All right, let's talk about weaknesses. So those things that are part of the system that are that are bad in our eyes. So, Mike, why don't you cover the, the weaknesses first? So I kind of think you can jumble these up all in one, one greater weakness, right? So for everywhere that it's super simple that's creating something that lacks clarity and and can ultimately make it bad um and i think probably where that's most obvious is is in the uh the, the magic rules being super inadequate right there i remember you and nathan have been having like in-depth conversations before we start the game of how do we adjudicate this how do i you know prepare my spells how do i make sure that I'm not doing something super cheesy that isn't completely broken because it just doesn't address it. Yeah, for me, yeah. I, I want to go last because there's two main things I want to cover. Brian, what, what what weaknesses did you did you add to this? I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think Mike filled up the, uh, the quadrant and <laughs> he actually put one in there about it being easy to die. And I like that. I liked it as lethal. Um, so I, I would disagree with that, but I mean, just the lack of rules, uh, in general, lack of guidance is it just really what bugs me about it. And, uh, you know, if as a, as a, as a, uh, one shot probably would be okay with that, but I don't know how well I would deal with that as part of a campaign. I'm, I want to play a campaign in this because this actually has, a lot of rules for level. So it's this limited character ability growth when leveling up, but there's actually a whole grid. One of the pages of the of the six-page booklet is devoted to leveling up. It's the entire grid of experience points and what you gain, your ability increases, your your spell increase, or not spell increases, your, uh, your ability increases, your attribute increases, your hit point increases. I love the idea of playing a campaign in this. And I think a level 10 character would be very different from a level one character. 
I think what I meant when I put that there is that when you do level up and you get additional abilities, the additional abilities, again, are kind of passive abilities, right? It's not going to give you some you know, crazy move like you get when you hit 10th level in 5e no or 4e mock. or something like that. Yeah, I'm not going to throw 12d6s on the table for an attack roll ever. Well, true. So, yeah. so, so a fighter, you're a fighter. As a fighter... When you first roll your character, you pick two out of four skills. The four skills are skirmish, so plus one damage and, and worn armor counts as one type letter. Tough, plus one armor. Slay, plus two melee damage. And hardy, plus six hit points. You choose two of those. Not three, not one, you choose two. And when once you choose... No, I'm sorry. Is it choose one skill? Let's choose two. Okay, yep. You choose two of those. And then as you level up, Let's see here. Yeah, as you level up... No, it's one skill. Oh, one plus one skill. And then as you level up, you get more skills. So you don't get another skill. So you're stuck with the two that you've chosen until level three, when you get one more. And then at level six, you get one more. So those are those are pretty key skills, Mike. Those would be things that would be nice to have as a fighter. I, I don't disagree with you. I think what I'm doing here is comparing it to other systems, right? So, like, when you level up in 5th E or you level up in 4E, there's pages of abilities you can choose for your character. And, you know, you can start doing things like multi-classing and you get to choose, oh, well, am I a raging barbarian or a berserking barbarian or whatever the, the, the differences are there. This system doesn't have that. It's, it's pretty defined. And if you keep leveling up, eventually you're going to run out of abilities and skills to pick. And I think it's kind of artificially limited in that, oh, you only get to do these at certain levels because we've only created six skills for this class. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. So we could argue the point, and I could argue that's just a natural consequence of, of, of a rules light system, but I think it stands as, as something that is objectively a weakness to the game. There's just not a lot of options to choose from when customizing your character. So there's yeah. not a lot of mechanical differences. And and that's there are people who love all the feats and stuff in Pathfinder and really customizing the heck out of their character's mechanics. I totally hear that. So my two main issues with World of Dungeons and the two big weaknesses that I call out, so one is that the magic rules are simply inadequate. And to me, they just don't make any sense. Um, you have to spend an hour summoning a creature to be able to call upon your magical abilities. You know, in the middle of an ambush, okay, all well, I need an hour to summon the magical creature. So, so what do you do between now and then? Uh... You know, stuff. Like, let me look at the wizard section. Yeah, you get a couple of cantrips. You get a couple of... But everything else that's that's important is based on your summon that takes an hour. That doesn't make any sense to me. So we changed it. We wrote our own magic rules, uh, Nathan and I. Uh, basically, he gets to cast spells that do 2d6 of damage uh, every once per day per level. So if he's level two, twice per day. If he's level four, four times a day, he can do 2d6 of damage. And then two times his level per day, he can do a spell that does 1d6 damage. So at level two, he can cast four spells that do 1d6 of damage. Now, by the time he's level 10, that could be crazy. I mean, 20 spells that do a d6 damage and 10 spells that do 2d6 damage. But for a super powerful wizard, I think that's fair. 
And if he can nuke lots of bad guys, then I'll throw lots of bad guys at you. But it's a much simpler way to control the amount of magic a character can do and still let this magical wizard do magic on the fly without basically being a warlock from World of Warcraft that must always be accompanied by a summoned creature. I, I just I just don't like magic in this game. And so, so we changed it. We, ha- we house ruled it. And I was much, much happier with the house rule. So the magic rules are, are, are just inadequate. My other big issue is that there's no rules or guidance even for monsters anywhere. Now, you could take that to mean that the DM has to create characters too and play those characters as NPCs. But that doesn't make any sense um, given the rolling the dice section where only players roll dice and the GM tells consequences. So the, the total lack of, of rules to create monsters, guidance to create monsters, just a paragraph on monsters, or even just a monster grid of common monsters as examples, the total lack of monsters leaves the GM, who is excited to run this four-page system, this six-page system, um, totally out in the cold as far as being able to create an adventure with simple monsters. Now, I, I looked at the math of the system, I thought about it. I came up with some guidelines for myself, and I actually did bring a D4 into it. So easy monsters do do D4, and then other monsters, you know, higher level monsters do D6 or, or D6 plus 1 or D6 plus 2, and I came up with rules for how to roll their hit points. But I had to come up with that guidance, and I had to look into the math to make sure the math was sound because there's nothing there for you on the paper. I don't even think you could really run Dungeon World Monsters. Because Dungeon World monsters sometimes do a D6 or a D12 or a D10 damage, and that just is completely out of place in this game that's D6-based. So, really weird spell rules that are inadequate. No monster rules whatsoever. Those are my two biggest issues with World of Dungeons. You have to do a little bit of hacking just to get it to work. I think that hacking's probably a really good segue into talking about the opportunities for this game. Ooh. Please lead the way. So, basically, the only opportunity I think we really came up with this, there's kind of two, they're along the same thing, but um, with this system being so simple, there's lots and lots of rules, I'm sorry, there's lots and lots of room for uh, for making up house rules or building custom modules, right? So, so basically, just what you and Nathan did for your magician, tossed out everything that's in the custom rule set, the standard rule set to build your own custom rules for wizards, right? If you don't like it, get rid of it. Um, even in the last episode, we talked about how there's no info or guidance on how to handle death or dying. And kind of in the episode, I just kind of off the cuff came up with something that we could potentially do to handle death or dying. Now, Ultimately, the problem with that is, you know, you wind up creating a a million flavors, a million variations of World of Dungeons. So if you're, you know, trying to create a national, you know, thing that anybody can pick up and play at any con or any gaming convention or whatever, getting gaming hall, when you have all these shunts and variations, that, that creates some problems. But if it's just something you're looking to do with your friends, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah. These house rules, if you guys show up to anyone else's World of Dungeons table, they could run the system entirely differently from how I run it. And and, and probably will, because these house rules are mine. And they're Fair. probably going to have house rules of their own for these things that there's no guidance or poor guidance for. Yeah. So, 
Good opportunity. So opportunity is there's lots of room to sort of tweak the system into being exactly what you want. It's sort of a, a catch-all that you can, there's enough there that you can add on to it and make it perfect for your table. How about that? I think that's good. I, in my mind, that is really a threat to your point. I mean, there's like a lack of portability to it because you can be really accustomed to your point, really accustomed to playing. But if you go to someone else's game, it will just, you'll be shell-shocked because they'll almost certainly be running it so differently that it might as well be a different system. Uh, and if you can't have consistency, you know, what is the system? Which, if we think about the histories of RPGs, I think that's been a threat to RPGs, you know, for the last 30, 40 years. I think it's only here within the last five to 10 years we've started to see really solid rule systems that, that don't get a bunch of shunts, don't get a bunch of house systems or house rules. So that, that may be just an overall I mean, failure of RPGs. I mean, I think in general, I mean, you, I'm certain we have more systems now than we've ever had before. And I think that's because, you know, people want different things, but I don't know that that's a weakness of, you know, the fact that there hasn't been a lot of rules. I think it's just that people want different rules. I have to be a jerk for a second. Just because of the way time works, Brian, and the fact that you can't delete a system from history, at any given point in history, there are always you know, more you're rules exactly, well, than, you're, than before. But you're exactly right. But yeah, but I mean, if also the proliferation of the internet, the fact that you have all these more people now who play and more people who'd want to put, you know, throw their hand, you know, hats in the pot or whatever the, the, the phrase is. Yeah, if you um, take the spirit of your point, the spirit of your point is that the proliferation has accelerated. Yeah. More new systems are created every year. Like yeah, every year, more systems were created than the previous year. Yeah, it's just, you know, uh, sharing of information, uh, communication is frictionless now. I mean, there's going to have to be. It's RPG climate change, really. <laughs> <laughs> look look out rpg south pole <laughs> all right let's talk about threats so as new gms and really that's a poor way to make the point a better way to make the point is this is not a system for new gms a, a huge threat here is that this is a system for people who have played rpgs a lot and who just need enough to get started and who are willing to create the rest from scratch or from their experience or to fit their table and I say that, the reason I sum that up with no adventures available is because when I think about systems that are friendly to new players and new GMs and newbies in general, systems that do that successfully have pre-written adventures. They have examples at least. They have, hey, here's a ready-made out-of-the-box thing that you can run at your table. Pathfinder Beginner Box is one of my favorite RPG products of all time, and it has that. It has a quick adventure you can run, but then it also has a ton of components that you can, you know, add and, and resort and reswizzle to come up with your own adventures. So just no adventures available is, is a symptom of an overall problem, and that problem is this is not a game for a, a, a table where everyone at the table is new. Brian, you made the point earlier this is a great game for new players. I think it's a great game for new players and an experienced GM. That makes perfect sense. Who's yeah. willing to do some explaining. Everyone's new, including the GM. Uh, I think you're going to have a hard time. I, I absolutely do not disagree with that. I mean, I would flounder trying to GM this, I know. Uh, but if someone just wanted to be exposed to uh, tabletop, I think it would be a good start. But I think people would be lured away uh, because I think that other systems are more intuitive 
uh, in some respects, combat being one of them, because again, the uh, a complication system doesn't necessarily uh, jive with how I think about the world. Uh, and I think, you know, more people think in terms of like uh, turn-based RPGs to get that reference in, like, you know, uh, way Final Fantasy used to be your Dragon Warrior, those kind of games and in video games. I think people think more in terms of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I agree. I think uh, new players uh, make sense, but a new GM would just would just fail. And you really like to slice combat into six second segments. Oh, yeah. You love that simulationist thing. Yeah, that's just how my brain works. Six second segments that take five minutes to segment. Yes. Well, I mean, but you're sim- but it's but it's a simulation. It's like you're emulating uh, reality. It, it it we can't emulate it as fast as we can't communicate given you know our language, given our brains. We can't do the simulation in real time. True enough. It reminds me of of like computer simulations from the 1990s when you you'd purchase time on a supercomputer. And you wanted to study, you know, how a wing was going to perform or how a submarine body would perform underwater. And you'd buy time on a supercomputer to run the program and you'd run this program for hours to simulate a few seconds or a minute of this object moving through water or moving through the air. Like it took a really long time to simulate a fairly small slice of time because of the number of variables. That's where we're. That's where most RPG combat is at. Whereas this is so much more conversational and there's a back and forth. So you say other RPGs have a more intuitive combat system, Brian. I think it's just that other RPGs have a combat system that you're more accustomed to. I don't Uh, know that the six-second slice of time is actually more intuitive, unless, to your point, you've played a lot of Dragon Warrior. Yeah, maybe intuitive is not the right word. I think people maybe would be more comfortable because they've been more exposed to the idea of it. Again, just through popular culture, uh, I think people, um, again, people don't necessarily intuitively understand a D20, but they've at least seen one, or they've seen a shirt that has a D20 on it, or they have an idea of, you know, games involved, things like that. Uh, Again, but like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but just like the, the complication system just doesn't click. That's fair. That's fair. And then for me, the the last threat that I put was that there are so many systems there's so much competition with strength, wisdom, intelligence, dexterity, constitution, and charisma. So it, it, World of Dungeons, just overall, just the the name dungeon and its title, the the, the whole idea of, of it being sort of this medieval fantasy world, there's just so much in, in that milieu of role-playing games. It's a very rich milieu, but uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm, I'm in a mood where I've been trying other things. I've been trying other stuff, other worlds, other other settings than sort of high fantasy medieval sort of simulationist stuff and there are plenty of systems that do that and that's fine but when i when i think about threats and why should someone invest time in world of dungeons what are they going to get out of it well a super unique setting is not something that they'll get out of it you it's know, a super unique system you know the name world of dungeons is a play on dungeon world right it is yes. okay but like it when it comes to a world, it's a very small world. So the name doesn't really imply anything about the system whatsoever. Yeah, it's got world in it. I guess Apocalypse World leads to Dungeon World, which leads to World of Dungeons. But it's being rules light and very rules light. Uh, and there's no adventures. There's no uh, 
uh, things we talked about, like there's no guidance on, you know, monsters, you know, there's just not a lot to it. It's just funny. It's just ironic that world is in the title and it's actually, it's more like closet of dungeons or, you know, desktop of dungeons. <laughs> so because of the nature of SWOT analysis, right, we spend a lot of time on, on weaknesses and threats. We've talked a lot of smack about Dungeon World. We have, but I still love it, and I would play the hell out of it. I'd run a campaign in it if you guys would let me. I really... I can't stop you. Do it. I want to play. If this is what you want to uh, run, I'll play it. I love the system. I really love it. And you know the Ikea effect, Brian, where you bring home this pre-made furniture you assemble it, and in the act of assembling it, you fall in love with it. And you accept any flaws in it as your flaws. Like, oh, I screwed that up a little bit, but I still like it because I made it. You sort of assume this ownership of it. I like Dungeon World a lot. Um, I have I have loved other systems and then played them and not loved them. I loved this one, and then I played it, and then I loved it more. This system plays really well. It plays really intuitively. Now, we're all experienced gamers, so maybe that explains why it plays so well for us, but we have had positive experiences at the table, rolling dice, playing this game. And now that I've made my own magic rules, and now that I've come up with my own monster mathematical guidance, the Ikea effect has taken hold, and I love it even more. So for all the bad, for all the weaknesses, for all the threats, I love the system, and I think the limitations of it, you know, the, the limited character growth the the lack of info on death and dying, all that stuff. It's just the nature of trying to make a six-page system or a very small system. You're going to have to cut some stuff out. And in some cases, maybe they cut muscle and not fat, but I still love the system. I'm going to keep playing the system despite all the smack that we talked. So I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, when you make something your own, you love it. It's kind of like how I am with the foster kids, right? The more I invest into them, the more that I love them. And yeah, it, It's not a popular thing to say to non-parents that you love your kids more over time, but it's true. Like when Margot first came home and she was a baby, she was a huge pain in the butt. Like it was, and I loved her. I got that shot of dopamine every time I held her. You know, your brain tricks you into loving your kids. Um, I loved her, but I love her more now. I loved her more when she smiled at me. I loved her more when she started talking. I love her more now that she's interactive and, and specifically starts conversations with me, which is kind of mind-blowing when I think about just a couple of years ago. It's not popular to say that you love your kids more, but it's, it's, it's a true thing. And I can definitely see where as you exert influence and you see that influence reflected, there's something very terrifying and creative and overwhelming but also really enjoyable about that. Yeah, it makes total sense. And, you know, I'm not going to call your baby ugly anymore, Dusty. World of Dungeons, uh, if you love it, you know, I appreciate that you love it. <laughs> um, it's like you say about Transformers the movie. You you see its flaws all the more when you love it completely. Oh, yeah. And I, I see the flaws in World of Dungeons. No game can be perfect. No game can do everything. Are these the flaws I'm willing to live with? Is this the partner I'm willing to marry? And in this case, it is. I, I'm I'm definitely willing to have a, a a long, torrid romance with with this game. It's got flaws, but eh, I don't mind these flaws. These flaws are fine for me. 
I don't know that I could settle down with the world of dungeons, but I could definitely have an open polyamorous relationship and have world of dungeons as, you know, part of that relationship. Or look at it this way. World of Dungeons is just cool enough that you're perfectly willing to have beer and wings with it every other Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. All right, fair enough. That is RPG Lessons Learned this week. Thank you for listening to us pontificate at length about a system um, that we that we have mixed feelings as a group about. Not Brian's favorite, uh, very much my favorite, but I've loved talking about it and I've loved bringing it to you. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.